Hello, welcome to the first proper Not The Top 20 podcast of the 2018-19 EFL season. Uh, my name's Ali Maxwell, I've got George Ellick as ever alongside me, trusty sidekick and... Sidekick? <laughs> Yeah, that's outrageous. Yeah, is that fair? fair? Well, I don't, I don't want to be the Robin to your Batman, but uh, that's <laughs> fair fine. Enough. Some people preferred Robin. Um, we are here talking betting today, so we're saving our patented 1-24 to 24, uh, full team, full league prediction season previews until a little closer to the start of the season. But we wanted to find some value as the betting markets have opened, and there's plenty to get our teeth into, and who better to talk about it with us than Mike Holden. Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Mike runs the Fox Punter tipping service and that's doing him an injustice because he does an awful lot else as well. Mike, uh, a writer, uh, among other things as well. And anyone who follows us on Twitter, anyone who follows the EFL online will have already read Mike's stuff. And, uh, and obviously, I think this is now your third appearance on the podcast. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. First up, it's the championship, and we are going to start by looking at the winner market. And by looking at the winner market, we're really going to, you know, we're going to go through Mike's thoughts, George's thoughts, and then see where our thoughts are joined up and see where we might disagree. Um, It's quite hard to choose definitively at this stage of the season. I'm sure all of you listening will be finding the same sort of thing with three weeks to go until the transfer window ends and two and a half until the season starts. Uh, It still seems like there's a lot up in the air, certainly in terms of transfer business. So, you know, caveat a lot of this with that. Um, But we're going to dive in and give it our best shot because there is certainly some value around. So at the top of the championship, um, the the market currently has Stoke City as the favourites to win. Um, and their main rivals, according to the bookies, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest, Leeds and Swansea. So those are the top six in the market. Mike, I'll come to you first. Uh, when you've been thinking about the winners of the championship 2018-19 season, are you finding it an obvious one to pick? Where, where, are, your, where are your thoughts at the moment? Uh, I think the first thing to say is that the two at the top of the betting, Stoke and West Brom, have come down stronger than any of the three last season, I would say. Um, we had Sunderland and Hull in a bit of turmoil. They had to get rid of players and, you know, you got the impression they weren't ready to attack the season at the start of the season. I think with you look at the squads that Stoke and West Brom have got and you, you can't see too many players being upset to be in the Championship. You know, you've got strong midfields and players in the 30s now who you know will not expect to be starting at Premier League level so they've got the experience to mount a promotion charge and shouldn't be you know overly concerned about what it where it puts them in the stage of their careers now because you know they've done a lot already but is a chance for potentially a bit of glory if you've been stuck in the Premier League for so many years and you know just fighting that endless battle to survive so for some of them it might be quite interesting mm. I think from Stoke's point of view, it seems like, uh, as well as the signings of Atebo and Afobe, who are clearly going to help them immensely, that the new contract for Joe Allen was uh, a huge, huge piece of business this summer. And that sort of touches on what you've mentioned there already. Someone like Joe Allen saying, do you know what, I'm, I'm going to stay, stick around and give mm-hmm. this a good go. Now, not all of their players will do that, but it seems like Stoke, perhaps more than West Brom and Swansea, would you say, are looking ready to go at this stage for, for me Swansea and West Brom are still more up in the air yeah I think 
I think Gary Rowett's a statement. We there's still, you know, Darren Moore did really well at West Brom when he came in, but he's still, you know, classed as inexperienced. Um, Rowett's done a lot more. He's been in the Championship for a few years now, but interestingly, also he's never really he's never had a promotion and never really got anything over the line. You know, he's he. He lost the playoff final at Burton. He lost the playoff semi-final last year. He's always kind of overachieved with what he's got. And if he overachieves with Stoke, then that's promotion automatic. Um, But the fact that he's never quite got anything over the line makes it intriguing because it's not a clear-cut thing. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll stick my neck out now and say that Stoke are my pick in the Championship. I think the 6-1 to available with Hills... Uh, appeals massively I, I, you know you mentioned Alan and I agree that that's a huge huge statement and, and a great player to retain but it's not just Alan as well you know Martin Zindi has said he's going to stay next season Shawcross is fit and says he's going to stay next season and captain them you've got Otobo who we saw in the Premier League and, and the signing of, of Benneke Fobe and that to me is, is, a, is a spine of a team on a par with if not better than the spine of that team we saw in Newcastle who did so well when they came down two seasons ago the manager is obviously an issue there you know Rafa Benitez was a class above at that level and and as Mike says Rowett is still unproven in terms of winning a promotion but having said that I've I've been put off by favourites in the past Uh, Newcastle I didn't back and even last season I thought Wigan and Blackburn were too short and I was proven wrong but here at 6-1 I I can't see this team unless there's massive underachievement being outside that, that kind of first three or so so if you're looking you know I know a lot of people like the reachway multis here and therefore that six to one three places could be appealing but generally six to one on a team with that spine a team who don't feel like they're coming down in any sort of disarray and and the fact that these players are staying I I think it represents decent value so if Stoke seem to be the strongest of the relegated sides and we're not at this stage sure how stable things are at West Brom certainly throughout the club and Swansea in terms of the squad and how much turnover there still will be Um, let's look at some of the existing championship teams those who were with us last season Mike and Middlesbrough they're the third favourite for the title Um, you feel like that's probably fair and that could be a pretty interesting proposition yeah I think Middlesbrough would probably be my pick at this stage for the fact that they've they've got a bit of a run up at it I don't think we actually saw a Pulis team last year uh, they were a little bit leaky you know they were, they were winning games they were getting results they got themselves into the top six they finished quite well but the clean sheets weren't there that you just come to expect as standard and he's he's gone out he's bought two or three centre-backs to add to the two or three centre-backs he's already got and he's <laughs> You, you know, and you a, just, cer- a certain Flint who might be quite good at pure set pieces. Yeah, you'd think. Absolutely, yeah. So they're just <laughs> going to be, you know, first goal scorer yeah, favourite yeah. in some of their home <laughs> games. Honestly, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, you know exactly what you're getting. I think at this stage, I think that's what I like to, you know, when you you put in your preseason multiples on for each division. I like teams that you, you kind of know what you're getting from game one to game forty six. And I think with Middlesbrough, I think that's definitely the case. I think we know what we're going to be getting. It's going to be an upgrade on the second half of last season. And the second half of last season was probably not quite automatic, but you know, they don't need to they don't need to shift up a gear too much to, mm-hmm. to be, you know, there or thereabouts this time around. It feels like the signing of McNair gives them a bit more thrust in the centre of the park. I, I was at that semi-final against Villa at the second leg and the, the central midfields who, who are all perfectly good players Ledbitter, Clayton, Housen well, Housen to a lesser extent but Ledbitter and Clayton they, they, they seem to be fading a little in terms of their impact on the game at, you know, at the top end of the championship um, perfectly good players and I feel like 
McNair is an upgrade on that. And as you mentioned, Flint coming in, um, you know, we, we've always had some reservations about how good a defender he is in his own penalty box. But to be honest, he offers something that basically no one else <laughs> does in terms of goals from set pieces. And of course, that, that forms a big, big part of uh, Tony Pulis's whole system. Um, George, are there any other teams apart from Stoke? You, you know, you've said you really fancy them, but who else out of that bunch can you see maybe breaking up towards the top two, top three? I think Derby are interesting. Um, it, it's hard to really put your weight behind a club who have got a manager in Frank Lampard who, who we have no idea his credentials as a coach. I think as a person, he seemingly suits the role quite well. You can see in the loan deals they've done, you know, especially I think Mason Mount's going to be an unbelievably interesting prospect to watch. I think if you told any club in the championship that they could sign a player, English or not, Chelsea or not, who did what he did in Holland last season, mm. they'd be absolutely over the moon. This isn't some some guy who's never really played football before. He's he's produced it on, on at a top level stage in the European League. Um, under Rowett last season, they were they were fairly solid at the back and they've retained that back line and that steel in the midfield as well. So I think at 16 to 1, they offer some value. 8 to 13 top half. I'd be very, very surprised if the wheels fall off enough for that not to, not to cop. Um, so I'm interested in them and also Brentford as well. I'm not going to get behind them as much as I have done in recent years because I'm, I'm just a bit stung now. But, uh, <laughs> but I think that the people running that club know what they're doing. The recruitment team know what they're doing. There hasn't been the churn of players this year that we've come to expect in recent summers. Um, and again, I'll, I'll be very, very surprised if, if in a couple of weeks into the season, they're not a fair bit shorter than the 16 to 1 available at the moment. I think talking about the winner market and the promotion market, there's two elephants in the room. Uh, one of them is Leeds, who we'll touch on later. Uh, and the other's Nottingham Forest, because to all intents and purposes, they are the, the one team, essentially, that have made a big statement in the transfer market this summer. Um, I'm not sure how they've managed to spend or find 20, 25 million quid um, financially that, that helps them to sort of get through the various obstacles put, put together by uh, FFP and that sort of thing. But that's for them very much to worry about. The, the fact of the matter is they've now got a very large squad with some quite eye-catching players, including three or four young Portuguese players. So the suggestion here um, from some is, is this Wolves Mark II. Now, last year we sat here, George, and we said, well, Wolves have got a lot of very talented players, and if it works, they could be sensational, but we're not going to sit here and say it definitely will. So what do we think about Nottingham Forest and Karanka at the helm? I mean, uh, just to start with, I think the, the main difference here, well, two main differences, and I want to ask Mike about one of them because one of them is the manager. But, um, but the first one is that Wolves had something of a bedding-in season where the likes of Costa and Caviero played in the Championship for a year pretty unsuccessfully under Paul Lambert, but they had played there. Mm. So it wasn't a huge, huge new raft of players coming in from the continent. And there's no doubting their talent, these guys, like they're going to be a, a cut above, but it did take time for that to work. So that's my first concern. My second is that, you know, Ito Karanka is, is, a, is a good manager. He's achieved a promotion for, with Middlesbrough. He, I think, was proven out of his depth uh, in the Premier League when he got there. And when he, got, when he came into the club last season, he didn't really do much. And there seems to be just a massive quality gap in terms of the two managers. And Nuno, there was a manager who had done it at top-level European leagues, who came in and was quite clearly a cut above. And I just have my doubts whether or not this could be the, the Lambert season, the season before it kicks off, where they're going to bring in a top-tier coach in order to, to, to get the best out of these guys. Not tempted at 5-1 to one for promotion? No, I think I agree with George. Um, I think there's... A big difference between Karanka and Nuno. I think it was very underestimated what Nuno did last year. 
I think we're talking about a manager that got Valencia back into the Champions League. Um, and I think we've got a manager that will prove himself to be a lot more adept than Karanka was in the Premier League. Um, also, I would add to that, if this has got Mendes's fingerprints over it, what's happening at Forest, then that, that seems to be the assumption. That seems to be the rush to, to get with Forest. Um, but he did that last year with Wolves. Doesn't mean it's going to happen this year with Forest. And if he's, you know, it's not like there's many more Ruben Neveses out there or Hotters or you know, you, the, these players don't literally grow on trees. And the next batch, you know, you might be talking a grade down of who he's bringing in this time around. We don't know. I think Forest could potentially be the team that we all thought Wolves were going to be twelve months ago. Wolves were sixteen to one for the title at this stage last year. Forrest are now 12s, you know, basically because everybody's seen the Wolves model and seen it work. Mm. But 12 months twelve months on, you know, this might now be the team that we thought we were getting with Wolves 12 months ago and it, it, they probably need a year, potentially, like George says. And worth mentioning, they have signed Michael Dawson as well. Yeah. To be careful. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, mean, okay. I, think, I think if you're looking for, if you, if you compare, I mean, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's not a great piece of recruitment, I wouldn't say. I've seen some Forest fans very excited to, to have Michael Dawson alongside yeah, sure. um, Mr. Figueredo at the back of their defence. Um, Matt Craig in heaven, I've always said it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So <laughs> aside from just looking at trying to predict the winners and that sort of thing, we're now going to talk about teams that we're looking to get with. So we could be talking about an outsider at the promotion market or um, someone who's value for a top six or a top half finish or possibly even, George, looking at some of the handicap markets that are a little complicated for me, but that hopefully you, you can explain to us if, if necessary. Um, a, a dark horse, I suppose, as well, we're kind of looking for here. Um, now, I haven't said too much yet, so I'm going to start by suggesting that given what we've said about Middlesbrough, uh, sorry, about Nottingham Forest, uh, given what we haven't yet said but will about Leeds, um, and the fact that West Brom and Swansea still seem a bit up in the air, um, I kind of feel like there is a real chance for some of these teams that finished in the 7th to 12th mark last season, who are settled, who have either done their business early or don't have much to do, with good managers to start swiftly and to establish themselves at the top of this division early on and see if they can last the, dif- the distance. And, and really, I'm looking at Preston North End here and Brentford and possibly, although this is obviously a big outside shot and the bookies are have gone a bit cold on them despite last season's finish at Millwall as well. I think these are three interesting teams who proved last season that they were perfectly good championship teams and who are absurdly settled. None of them making, you know, none of them pulling up trees either in terms of incomings or outgoings. All of them with managers that were, that are impressive in, in different ways and with very energetic, very modern styles of play that, that tend to do fairly well at this level now. And, and for me, it's those three teams, Preston, Brentford, Millwall, that I keep coming back to and thinking, you know, these are guys that are, are probably going to start the season thinking that they're going to hit the ground running. Is there anyone like that for you? Anyone in that sort of sphere or that, that tier of the, of the league that you're looking at and thinking, I want to I wanna be getting with this team? I mean, yeah. And I, I, my, my issue with Millwall, I looked at them and I think that it's... Their overachievement last season was fantastic. I kind of wonder if they're going to hit a ceiling with that squad because they have basically kept the same squad again. Uh, the team I'm interested in, and it's very speculative at the moment because we're not really sure who's going to be playing for them, um, is Ipswich. Where I mean, I'd have been very surprised if you told me when when uh, Mick was leaving that I'd be looking to get with them this season. But 
Um, in Hearst, they've got a manager who I, who I really, really rate. And I think the early signs of, of the deals that they're doing is positive. I think the Green Edwards is a, is a signing that smacks of a manager who knows exactly, he knows the leagues, he, he knows where he can go and get some value and bring players up. It's exactly what he did um, at Grimsby and it's exactly what he did at Shrewsbury as well. Annoyingly for him, he can't dip back to his old, his old club this time around because it sounds like Shrewsbury have basically said to him, no deal on anyone. Yeah. Um, but I, I think just the early signs and the, and the Webster sales, obviously, you know, we know that the owner there doesn't like to spend his own money and it's given them a bit of a, him a bit of a war chest, I guess, to go, mm. go out with. And we've seen the fruits of that with, with Edwards early on. He's a manager I really rate. The style of football, I think, will suit them going into a lot of these games where they're going to be forcing the team to... to to play their football rather than sitting back, and I think that you know that their three to one top half at the moment looks like it could be could be a squeak. I mean, some bookies have got them third favourites for relegation. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so I'll back, if, back in the stay up as well, but, but it's still short. I mean, it's fairly short. But yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying, you know, if 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 your shout is correct in some way, then there's there's plenty to be made. Put it that way. You know, these are, this is a a team that the bookmakers are looking at and not necessarily feeling the same way, but. Um, Ipswich fans will be delighted, I think, that uh, that your opinion of them has turned around. Um, <laughs> and, and actually, we said that they should be careful what they wish for at, at some point know, last I, season. I think, but I think they got their wish. Well, yeah. I hope so, anyway. There we go. What about yourself, Mike? Is there anyone that you, that you fancy um, to sort of upset the apple cart a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm with you on Preston. I like Preston. I like what Alex Neal's doing. I like the fact that he's got young players running through brick walls for him. Um, I mean, their shot data last season was superb for a lot of the season. You know, they were a top six side for, for, for much of the campaign. Um, he kind of, you know, the, he pushed them a little bit towards the end of the season. I think they just ran out of steam. And I just think with that extra season under the belt and, if, you know, another full pre-season of, you know, knowing how he wants to play, uh, they could come back even stronger again for it and, and just sustain it a little bit more. Um, the other team that interests me as well is Sheffield United because I think you know we had a break in the the Wilder frenzy last year. He's, you know he's, he's he's ripped it up in League Two, ripped it up in League One, and then looked like he for the first two or three months of last season that he could yeah. do something similar in the Championship. Now there's clearly been something going on behind the scenes there at Bramall Lane, a bit of boardroom, you know, disagreements over budgets and things like that, and. You know, he's he's not the sort of bloke to wait around if people's ambitions don't match his. And I think if they can get that sorted and, the, you know, they can back him, I think he'll go for it. He won't be scared of the division. I think when he came up last summer, he was talking of following the Bournemouth model and, like, literally saying, we need to attack the division, you know. And he, he'd spoken to Eddie Howe. He had a conversation with him. How did he do it? And, you know, it was Bournemouth's second year when they, you know, they had a very similar season to Sheffield United last season where... They finished, ended up finishing mid-table, but they had a right good go at it the first half of the season, learned a few lessons and then came back in a better position to sustain it 12 months later. And I, th- I can see a lot of similarities there with Sheffield United. That's interesting. I mean, you're absolutely right about the boardroom unrest and it rumbled on through April, May, June. It looks like we're coming out the back of it now, a, a disagreement between um, the long-term owner and the newer uh, owners of Sheffield United that sort of share the club to an extent a, a, a partnership that always seems probably heading for a bit of disagreement but with the sale of David Brooks bringing in 12 million quid for uh, you know an exceptional young player but someone that 
you know, you, you couldn't, although we love him, couldn't sit here and say he was in their top five, six, seven most influential players last season. Um, they've gone out and managed to, to pay a, a club record fee for John Egan uh, from Brentford as well. So, you know, they're starting to make those moves and there are plenty of clubs who haven't started making their moves yet. But I think, I think you're right to flag up Sheffield United. It'll be interesting to see. One of the things that we noticed early on last season was you know, Wilder's that, that sort of three-five-two system that he implemented, it, it was catching teams cold, really. And um, maybe, as well as the unrest and a bit of fatigue and whatever it was, uh, it was teams slightly working out that you know there is going to be a centre back joining the attack, and you do need to make sure there's someone to follow him. Otherwise, they are going to create an overload. Maybe that sort of uh, impact lessens slightly throughout the season. So again, Wilder's going to have to show us again that he can readapt and, and keep coming at the division. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an interesting kind of trading angle to Sheffield United, where obviously in the season, they, they got promotion to the Championship and Northampton's promotion season as well. They were very strong in the finish. But Chris Wilder has this incredible knack of deciding to, to tear up a squad in January. And he did it again last year to no good effect whatsoever he brought in a host like a raft of players who were just of no use to the squad um, and probably upset the the balance of it Um, and I expect he'll do it again he does it the whole time and it it actually freshened up the squad a fair bit in League One so I do wonder you know his teams are prone to very good starts as well so it could be one to to get in and get out it did make me laugh looking at the the players that they've sold this summer and it's like Sammy Carruthers, uh, James Hansen, they're going to ship out Ricky Holmes. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember those guys. They're all the blokes that they signed in January. They're all that, coming to Oxford, yeah. That, that they just didn't need <laughs> at any point. Um, so that's an interesting one to follow this season. But certainly some scope for some, uh, for some summer business, uh, further summer business, I should say. And uh, seemingly some finances available to do so, um, which maybe can't be said for their uh, city rivals, Sheffield Wednesday, who currently haven't signed anyone uh, at this stage as we record. Um, before we move on to some of the teams that we don't fancy as much, some teams that we might even fancy to drop down to League One by the end of the season, Mike, we want to talk about your Fox Punter. I always call it a service. Is that is that the word you use? I'm not really sure. I'm never quite sure what to call it because I'm a subscriber and I mean, it, I use it for a wide range of things, not necessarily just betting related, but I suppose fundamentally that's you know that's the that's the category that it's in yeah the well the flagship service is is the the ratings shop based ratings that generates its own match prices probabilities and um league tables alternative league tables basically um, based on shot ratio um but no yeah, there is more to it than that and i'm i'm hoping to add more to it this year as well i think um I'll be looking to do things like PDF reports, pulling together a lot of statistics that I believe are relevant. Because, I mean, there's a lot, there's almost too much data out there. And I think for a lot of people that are, you know, struggling for time towards the weekend to to sort of dig deep and have a look at, Mm. at teams and what bets they might fancy at the weekend... You know, it's what statistics to search for is is you know not always um, immediate. You know what what it is you you're looking for, and I, I think I've got a good head for pulling the right things together that kind of satisfies most needs. And so there's going to be more stuff like that PDF reports, but the the ratings themselves just alone. You know, we're looking at three three years. It's now the service has been running uh, over four thousand bets in profit again last season in profit overall to you know one or two percent on turnover um and you know it's a starting point every weekend because that's pre-team news so you know you 
these shortlisted bets are coming coming out on a Thursday. I go through the card, see what gets flagged up from the shot data against the market, uh, and then kind of just use a, a common sense test. Mm. I suppose you know if you if you know that a team's got a horrendous injury crisis, then you just overlook that that particular selection, and then I just narrow it down to about twenty across the English leagues, mm. twenty across the European leagues. So you you get a list of thirty to forty bets, and then that's the starting point. That you know we'll we'll make a profit on their own, but with a bit further research, you can probably refine it further still. And uh, that is an awful lot of stuff that you put together for your um, for your subscribers. And of course, that is a, a paid subscription. So what we're saying to listeners to the podcast is, if what Mike said has interested you, um, then you should certainly look into the Fox Punter service for the upcoming season. And um, there's a, a little sort of um, a nice little offer, I think, uh, Mike. Is that right for, for not the top 20 pod listeners? Yeah, there's a sweetener for the pod listeners. Um, yeah, basically, if you sign up to the service for the start of this season, um, enter the coupon code... NTT20, then your first month will be free. Um, so it'll be recurring payment, monthly payment of £9.50 per month. Um, but the first month's f- free. Uh, there's no contract, so you can cancel whenever you want to cancel. But, you know, I, w- I would expect you wouldn't do that after the first <laughs> month. So, <laughs> there you so yeah, go. just enter, enter your card details. NTT20 is the coupon code, and your first month will be free. Just a quick one, in between recording the podcast and releasing the podcast, Mike set up the NTT20 offer on the Fox Punter service. Unfortunately, uh, it's not able to do a free month's trial uh, with the payment system, so there'll be a nominal £1 charge, but I think that's still excellent value for you to be able to explore what Mike offers and and see if a a longer term subscription might be for you. So there is a £1 charge, but obviously we still think that that's going to be good value for you. And and if you're interested in what Mike has to say, then you should go and check out the Fox Bunter service and make sure you use coupon code NTT20 for your trial, which will be £1 for the first month. So... The relegation market in the championship is another interesting market because sometimes when you're thinking who are the favourites for relegation, you immediately look at the teams who have come down from the league above, no matter what division that you're in. In terms of the championship, it's not really the case this season that the teams promoted from League One are uh, forming the the real sort of heart of the the relegation or the top of the market, really, Um, because Wigan and, and Blackburn, the bookies are pretty sweet on they don't think that they'll be hugely involved in fact the favourites are Rotherham up from League One last season through the playoffs and then Bolton Ipswich QPR Hull and Reading and Millwall come before you even reach Blackburn and they're followed by Birmingham and Preston before you even reach Wigan so that was the first thing that leapt out to me guys that these bookies are looking at Wigan and Blackburn and they think that they are essentially not likely to get relegated is that because they saw what Sheffield United did last year, who was such a good League One team the year before. I remember you saying on the podcast, you know, their performance level when they won League One at a canter was essentially a mid-table championship side. And you were proven right in, in some way in how they did in the championship. So is that, do you think that's kind of the thinking here with Wigan and Blackburn? They were ultimately, you know, high 90s points tallies. These, are, these were impressive teams last season. I- Partly that, yeah. I mean, I think those two were quite clearly two of the best League One teams we've seen in recent years. 
I don't know if, if their transfer business or the way the clubs are currently being run, maybe that's harsh on, on Blackburn at the moment, but Wigan, there seems to be some, some uncertainty behind the scenes around finances um, with the new owners and there's been very little transfer activity whatsoever. The other angle, I would say, is that last season in the Championship, there was almost a battle to get relegated where you had a clutch of like really, really poor teams down there and some of them remain at the bottom end of the market. The, you know, the likes of Reading, who we'll touch on later, QPR, um, Bolton. These are teams, I think, in, in usual years, normal years maybe, would have struggled more than they did. So for that reason, I think it's just, it's just a poor championship to be in, in my eyes. And I think that they're, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of teams that I'm looking to, to back to go down. What about you, Mike? Who, who do you fancy uh, to go down? Who are you looking at and thinking your time's up in the championship? You're, you're not doing enough for me. Well, in what I've looked into the teams, I always look for some sense of crisis or potential crisis, and I'm actually not seeing a lot. I take George George's point about the, you know, the bottom third of the championship last season was really weak. Yeah. Um, but that said, I look at QPR. Um, you know, McLaren going in maybe a bit harsh on Holloway. You know, the the, the way that he got pushed out and. You know, now that now they're going to go again with McLaren, but I look at that QPR squad and I think, you know, it's got enough to survive. Um, what do you think about Steve McLaren in the in his current guise? Obviously, general fans of football remember him as England manager. Remember him maybe at a stretch winning the Eredivisie with SC Twente. But what Steve McLaren in twenty eighteen? What do we know about what he might bring to the table? Well, I think what we've always known about him is is he's a very good coach, and if he doesn't have to make too many of the football decisions should we say the transfer the recruitment side if he's just left to get on with coaching a good set of players and he's got a good you know structure around him for for the recruitment side then I think you know he he can he can bring the best out of what's available to him if the level of buy-ins there Um, and I think uh, you know you look through the QPR squad I think they'll buy into what McLaren's got to offer and so I, I you know I don't see QPR struggling this season um, yeah, and you know, I look at, I, I'm looking through the bottom there, and like Hull, I, you see again, Hull with the, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how the finances are there and the, the position that they're in from that perspective. But with Nigel Adkins, I, I just don't see a Nigel Adkins team, you know, being dragged into trouble. I just think, I just think t- he just carries everyone on a wave of positivity, and I think no matter what's thrown at him, circumstantially, unless he walks out. And then you know, then they could be in trouble because it's it's kind of built on the psychology and the belief. And then you, you pull that rug away from them, and Adkins isn't there, then they could fall into trouble. But with Adkins at the helm, I think Hull will be fine too. But somebody's got to go down, <laughs> and at the moment, I'm not really sure. You know, I mean, I know who George wants to touch upon, and I think I'm in agreement <laughs> with him as well. It's the only one I'm concerned about. Uh, Bolton, obviously, are the, are the crisis club again. Um, they were the crisis club last summer. They had the transfer embargo. Um, you know, I was confident all along that Parkinson would keep them up. It was very close in the end. You know, 90th minute on the final day to stay mm. up. Will Bramovich. Um, so you do really rate Phil Parkinson? Yeah, massively, massively. Because I think I think no matter what you throw at him, he's ready to adjust tactically. He, I mean, you look at the t- he's brought in Ostuma and. Um, Clayton Donaldson up front. Yeah. Now, two completely different players, 
But yet you know that when he plays a system that's around Ostuma, he'll get the best out of Ostuma. When he plays a system that plays to the strengths of Donaldson, he'll get the best out of Donaldson. You just kind of know that he's going to use the tools in the right way all mm. the time. Mm. And it's kind of a horses for courses sometimes. You know, against one particular opposition, he sets up in a certain way. And then the following week, he'll play someone completely different, set up a, you know, and every team that comes up against them know they're in a game, even mm. though, they, you know, you line up in the tunnel and you, you you know, you're looking at the Bolton players and you, your players in the tunnel and you're just thinking, we should, we should be beating these no problem. And no mm. one ever does, you know, because tactically he just, he keeps it in the realm of fine margins, mm. you know. And but that said, in terms of the quality of the squad at his disposal, I mean, if last season he was working with one hand tied behind his back, it, it's one and a half, maybe two hands tied behind his back now. I mean, despite the signings of Oz Toomer and Donaldson, they do look really short on quality. Yeah, there's 13 to 8 is the best price out there with Betstars. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a layer. Um, I think I'd rather be on purely just because I don't think they've strengthened too much. And, and I, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Parkey as well. But if you look at maybe the way the fans were treating in the back end of last season, it wouldn't take much for there to be a bit of a, a, bit of a crumble between in that relationship. And given the quality of the teams that have gone down compared to, to those that have come up, it looks like it's going to be a stronger, a stronger bottom half of the table. So I think that's given how close they were to going down last season. I think that could be a bit of value. Um, Mike was struggling to find teams to pick for relegation. You've, you've picked got, one and you've no, got, got a couple more. Yeah, I've got, I've got two that I want to you know, maybe get against is the right word. The first one's a bit of a, bit of a Hail Mary, I guess. Um, and you talk about crisis clubs, Mike. I, I just think that, that with Leeds, it just wouldn't take much for this to completely fall apart. Um, where you've got in BLC, you've got a, you know, a world-renowned coach who's for his genius is also known to not really stick around for too long there's been talk today and yesterday that he's already losing patience with what's going on there and also you look at last season with this new the new management the new um, owners of the club who brought in a manager in Thomas Christensen and sacked him then told the world that Paul Heckenbottom would have the job until the beginning of this season and then got rid of him it doesn't seem like it's a more stable club to me some of the deadwood that Christensen brought in is still there now. They've only brought in two players in who are both on loan in Lewis Baker and, and Jamal Blackman, who, again, I'm not really that positive about whatsoever. And if it doesn't get off to a good start, I mean, feasibly, if they don't get the players in, Bielsa may not be the manager to start the season. <laughs> um, and they are, the, you know, we spoke about Nottingham Forest earlier. They're the same price as Forest to go up. And if the, if the wheels do fall off at Leeds, it, it wouldn't take much. So, I'm, I mean, bottom half at 9-4 to four is one of them. Um, 20 to 1 to, to be relegated as well. It's, it's, as I said, I'm not, they can easily finish in the top six and I'd have egg on my face. It's not one where I'm telling you that they're, you know, they're, they're not going to be good next season. There's just a, a circumstance, there's an event that I think would lead to trouble that isn't a 20 to 1 chance of it happening. George, it'd be a very boring podcast if we didn't have any opinions at all. So you don't need to apologise for them. I'm um, certainly not apologising. <laughs> I'm just, just, just qualifying before I get loads of, you know, I think Leeds fans are. Slightly infamous for the way that if, if you um, if you badmouth their team, so I'm just 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 qualifying. Maybe Leeds fans with. could get in touch with Reading fans and ask them um, <laughs> what they think of you. Um, any respite for Reading fans heading into uh, this season? No, I won't bang the drum too much, but I think that um, five to one there is just a massive bet to go down, like absolutely huge price because it's just more of the same. Like Clement. I know a lot of his sound bites in the press talking about how you know they, they did what they needed to do. I just don't buy into it at all. I think that they were very lucky to stay up. Um, I think that he made the team even worse when he came in. I, he's got history of of getting results early on and then and then results falling apart the longer he's at a club. 
um, at both. I mean, at Derby, it was, it was getting worse, but it was still there at Swansea, certainly. And he was up for manager of the year and ended up being sacked about two months later. Um, I've had Reading fans telling me that, that you know, McNulty and Bulldog are going to make all the difference, but I still don't understand where the creation's coming from. Who's going to create these chances for those two to put in? Those are two finishers. They're not players who are going to get you goals on their own. I think Reading fans would mention John Swift's name there. But, I mean, okay, fine. I just don't think it's enough. I haven't been convinced by him for a couple of years now. Mm. Um, as Ben Mayhew's graph showed us yesterday, their current squad and its current guys, which will change, is 93% the same as last season. They're yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I can't imagine that five to one will will we'll stick around, and if it does, it'll be hopefully I'll be on by then. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's that's your that's your pick, Reading five to one, a good price for relegation, according to George. Um, I'm worried actually, Mike. You sort of slightly put me off saying this, but I might as well. Um, I am a bit worried about Hull and QPR. Um, I'm not sure, as you say, about uh, exactly how much clout Steve McLaren has with the footballing decisions outside of just the coaching decisions he's certainly got some talented young players to coach some very inexperienced young players to coach and I and I don't think the squad is that strong they've lost Anua at the back who is very very important to them and Jack Robinson as well so probably two of their key defenders um, Smithy's the goalkeeper as well um, they have not well they've brought in one German defender from the Zweite Bundesliga at this stage who I don't know much about um, and it's left them with to my eyes a pretty weak squad now that's not to say they can't do some business in the in the weeks remaining before the end of the transfer window but you know the, Attacking options relatively limited with Silla and uh, Matt Smith up top. Um, you know the, the the young players are going to get a look in, um, and some of them might be fantastic. And sometimes it's not quite as easy as that. So I'm a bit worried for QPR and for Hull as well. Similar sort of thing. They've lost um, from their first team last year: Max Clark, David Myler, Michael Dawson, Seb Larson, Alan McGregor. Abel Hernandez, uh, Kamal Grzycki will surely follow. Um, and of course, three of their back four were Chelsea Lonies, who are not returning. So again, it, it's, it's, a, it's basically an entire squad re, um, overhaul. Their first two signings were right backs, which I just thought was very Hull City. Um, so they've now got two decent right backs in Lehigh and Todd Kane. Um, but there's a lot of business to be done. And, you know, I think we've all said it. With Hull behind the scenes, we're not sure what the backing is like we're not mm. sure what the intent is for the Alam family at this stage and that relationship has never been anything other than sour so um, Nigel Atkins will have to really dig deep to, to keep the positive energy and vibes flowing but um, hopefully for them he will um, I think that's pretty much it for us any naps for you George? Reading to go down at 5-1 to one. Reading to go down at five to one. Just had to get that in there just to uh, just to make sure everyone realises. Yeah. Um, what about yourself, Mike? Is there anything that really sort of stands out to you? Um, well, I mean, if we're going short price, I think um, Sheffield United eleven to ten top half um, looks a pretty solid bet to me. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I think in terms of value, I, I, I couldn't disagree with George about Reading to go down. Mm. You know, looking at their squad and you know. Clements, not exactly proven. He wasn't, uh, you know, he's a little bit unlucky at Swansea, but ultimately they were relegated in, in, in a season that he took charge of. So, yeah, I couldn't disagree with that. Yeah, so mine are going to be the price for Preston to finish, finish in the top half, which is over evens at the moment. 
Um, and another relegation tip, I'm going to go with Hull. Um, just reading out those departures there has made me even more uh, sure that they are just in all sorts of trouble and you can get the same price as you can for Reading. So Hull and Reading, both 5-1 to one to go down, are, uh, are, are our naps for relegation. And if you've enjoyed listening to these championship uh, tips, uh, the betting preview, uh, we've done the same for League One and League Two. So wherever you found this podcast, however you find your Not The Top 20 pod, make sure that if you fancy listening to similar sort of stuff, but for the two divisions below the championship, then please, please do so. And if you have enjoyed this, and if you are getting involved with anything we've spoken about, please do get in touch with us at NTT20Pod. We love hearing from you. We love debating with you almost all the time. And um, it would be great to get um, some good feedback, some bad feedback, any sort of feedback, um, and plenty of shares, because that is really how we um, help spread the word. So thank you very much for listening, and uh, hope to find you on the other side with League One and League Two. <laughs>